This episode of Peritopia is dedicated to Brian Reed's mother, who passed away earlier this week. Brian, our hearts go out to you. Peritopia, you know her, you love her, you know her as Piglet Shameful on the forums, um, and perhaps you remember her real name, which is Lynn. Uh, She was in the Listener Roundtable, and um, what was that, episode 100, Jeff? 99? 99, right? That would be 99, Jer. Episode 99, that's right, 100 was uh, Raymond Moody. In any event, uh, her stories were intriguing, she met Bigfoot... She shook his hand. No, I, I don't know about that part, but um, but her stories were intriguing, and um, Jeff and I wanted to have her back on the show to grill her more. Um, and I think part of the attraction to her story, at least for me, is um, the surrounding weirdness that seems to be uh, her normal life. It, it sort of all fits into the George Hansen, you know, sort of trickster pattern of things, and. Um, when I asked her to do the show, she said, well, some of her experiences involve prayer, and she wasn't sure if we would want to even handle that, but of course we do, <laughs> because uh, I think all of it is of, of a mold, is it not, Jeff? Uh, did you say of a mold? Of a mold, not a fungus mold, but of a, of a, of a mold, of a pattern, of a, uh, a statue, a sculpture, uh, a mold, you know. You've been drinking again. <laughs> How dare you? What if I told you? <laughs> How dare you? So that's yes from Jeff. Uh, now, yeah, Lynn, I would say yes. <laughs> welcome to the show, and thanks for coming back on. Well, thanks for inviting me. So we'll just keep this really informal and just have a uh, chit-chat and um, psychoanalyze you. How does that sound? <laughs> okay, and then we'll talk bad fun. things about you once you hang up the phone. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess if I can survive the after-chat, I'm doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's the way we roll. Um <laughs> So before we get into any of your uh, odd experiences, in case people didn't listen to episode 99 uh, and they're unfamiliar with you, why don't you give us some of your just personal background? Um, Keeping as anonymous as you want, you know, not, you know, what you do for work or any of that sort of stuff, but just in terms of your family life and and all that sort of stuff. Okay, sure. Um, I I sort of had, I feel, an unconventional childhood in a way. uh, my father uh, took care of us while my mother worked. He was an inventor, and he was um, a really—he was a man that really didn't follow convention himself. And my mother was a little more structured. And I would say that throughout my life, uh, paranor- the, the paranormal has sort of been um, intertwined in my life. Uh, and actually, I really haven't been able to make a lot of sense of it 
and I haven't I hadn't really read anything like I didn't read any Streber I didn't read any Jacques Jacques Vallée I you know I really wasn't um aware of those authors until I started listening to Paratopia because I didn't seek the stuff. I just sort of thought if um, I read anything too much or involved myself too much in other people's opinions, uh, it would probably end up affecting my experiences a little too much. Does your family agree that there's a paranormal thing in your life? Have you spoken to them about it? Do they have it in their life as well? Yeah, but it's, it's never really been identified as paranormal it's just been sort of part of our existence it's it was i guess an organic part of our reality and i mean something scared me and um some things have scared me and i have shared a lot with my my family Uh, my brother has some experiences my mom had one experience my dad had a few um but it was sort of if I ever relayed something, it was never questioned and never challenged. And I never felt I had to really overstate what happened because I felt there was a real sense of acceptance within my family. So what was the first thing that happened to you that you can remember? Well, the, the first thing, um, probably the most dramatic thing that I remember was what I relayed in um, the last episode was, which was being bitten on the leg. That that was an odd one. I remember being very aware when I was a baby. Can you give us a refresher on that, just so, just in case people, you know, oh, people sure. listen to it? Yeah, I was I was uh, asleep in my bed. I don't know why I say that. I was in I was asleep, and um, I, I felt something sort of around my bed, and I was I was trying to wake up, and just as I was waking up, I felt a bite on my leg between my ankle and my knee. And uh, I got really angry because I thought my dad had done it, even though, you know, he wasn't there. He was in the living room. Um, And I went out and I yelled at him and uh, he was kind of amused by me. Um, And then I kind of had to go back into my room and I realized that my dad wasn't the one who bit me. So I sort of had to accept that something else was there, and that was a little difficult. Did uh, and you were how old? I was, I think, about three or four. And did you do you remember having a mark where? No, no, there wasn't. There wasn't a mark. It was one of those strange feelings that sort of. I don't know why I say it was a bite. It could have been a pinch. It just I had the impression that it was like a bite, but it wasn't meant to leave a mark. And can I ask an obvious question? Was your dad in the habit of biting you on the shin at night? No. Or pinching no. you like that or, you know. No, he wasn't really, he wasn't, I mean, he was a really nice, fun dad. Um, but there wasn't anything like that. There wasn't, I mean, I know, I know it might sort of, it's obvious to go there, but it, I've really, really uh, tried to look at that experience, and uh, I can't really, I can't really, I can't think it's my father. I, d- I don't know what it was, um, but it wasn't. It wasn't like I was replaying something that had happened several times prior, right. or you know, nothing like that. Okay. Oh, is that is that my cue to keep going? <laughs> yeah, that would be it. <laughs> oh, thanks, Jeff. <laughs> 
Come on, mouth breather. Get with it. Let's go. <laughs> uh, all right. So you were about to say that uh, you had something happen when you were a baby that you remember? Oh, I just I just remember being very um, aware as a baby. Like, I remember um, having great love for my mother and great love for my father, not being able to communicate, um, understanding language before I could speak. Um, I used to see really pretty colors on the wall. Um, I just it would sort of entertain. My mom would come in, uh, she'd put me down for a nap, and I'd be, I never really cried or anything. And she'd come in to check on me, and I would, she said I'd just be kind of staring off into space. Um, but what I recall from those moments is that there was like this light show on the wall that I was really enjoying. Do you have a good short-term memory? I have a horrible short-term memory. Huh, well, see, we suffer the same thing. I've got uh, baby memories as well. I've got a great long-term memory, but I have no short-term memory. Oh, thank God. I know. I do, it's horrible. It's just a, it's a curse. Yeah. <laughs> um, so did, did any of this amp up? I mean, were there any periods in your life where it's sort of flared? I mean, we always hear about uh, girls going through puberty and paranormal stuff happening around that time. Um, anything like that with you? Yeah. Yeah, there there was definitely. Um, I started having uh, dreams around that time of my life uh, that were sort of premonition type dreams. Um, how I how I distinguish them, I would sort of be dreaming, but I, it would be like I was looking through a red filter, and these things would sort of play out in front of me. But they were highly symbolic, and I'd. The frustrating thing for me was having to try and decipher them because sometimes they felt like warnings. Um, nothing really, uh, really bad. Um, the one I did have that wasn't really that symbolic, which I really question still to this day because it was just so odd. I dreamt about this burning barn, this colonial-style house, and there was this little red house beside it with a little lamp in the window. The barn was burning and a little Palomino pony was trying to get out of the barn. And it was through that red filter. And it, I, I was keeping a dream diary at the time because I was starting to kind of wonder what was going on with my dreams. And about two months later, I was, I was living in Canada at the time, and I was at this, um, was doing some work, volunteering somewhere, and I took a little stroll and it was at the Burnaby Art Center, and I, I um, walked along this little path, and it said, do not enter, and I thought, well, you know, I'm going to enter. So I went through, and there was the burnt barn, and, you know, everything that I had seen, the pony wasn't there, the white house was there, the red house was there, and the little lamp in the window. And it was exactly as I had seen it in my dream. I still to this day don't know what significance it had in my life or why I dreamt it, but that hmm. was pretty when, powerful. When you say a red filter, is it a muddy red filter? Is it a bright red filter? Have you, I, mean, I don't know if you've ever uh, used a lens on a camera. Like a, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of like that. Like a red acetate? Yeah. Okay. At what point, um, and maybe we're skipping around here too much, but you, you let me know, at what point did you need to invoke prayer uh, during an experience? Oh, oh um, 
with my friend, uh, Natasha. I can say her name because I know she won't mind. She's had, uh, she's, she's been sort of plagued by problems, spiritual problems, I believe, um, in her life. And uh, we were high school chums and she told me one day that she had a hand on her leg and I, I kind of cautioned her against it, but she just sort of accepted the whole experience and thought it was great. And then that really amped up for her. She thought it was great that she had a, a hand on her leg. Well, she's a very curious person and she's very, very open and she doesn't have the same sort of fear structure that I do. So um, I was very intrigued by her response to it. She just sort of thought, oh, you know, this is really cool. I'm having contact with, you know, the hereafter mm-hmm. or however she wanted to look at it. Anyhow, that all became very, um, uh, uh, well, let's just, uh, uh, she was violated in sort of a spiritual sense. Um, How? <laughs> of, well, come on, Jeremy, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I know I don't. <laughs> well, it, it, you know, it kind of it kind of falls under the 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 typical, you know, sort of feeling sexually violated. Ah, is that her yeah. now? Wait, no. If you record audio for any purpose, chances are you want it to be heard. You want to attract the largest audience possible who can hear your message. That's where we come in. We're CyberEars.com, a revolutionary internet service that will host your audio files and help you promote and track its popularity. Considering hosting a podcast to the world, we have all the automated tools to make the process as simple and easy as it can be. No technical mumbo-jumbo to work out. CyberEars.com does all the work for you. You record it, we take care of the rest. So don't delay. Go to CyberEars.com today and register for a free trial account. Upload your audio files and get heard. With CyberEars.com, it's your audio on your terms. Let's back up here. Um, she So she felt sexually violated. So does that mean that it evolved into something else other than a hand on her leg? Yes, it did. Huh. Yeah. For her, it did. Um, we we would go back and forth about, uh, you know, whether or not she was sort of verging on maybe a mental illness, or, um, you know, I never I never judged her. I tried to really accept her experience and what she was going through, and I could tell that she was really kind of tormented by what was going on with her, and it it became really really bothersome. And this and was in I, high school. Uh, yeah, just well, no, actually, it was a little bit after high school. It had it had started in high school, and then I moved around a bit. I guess it was when we were in our early twenties. So after we graduated, it had been there for you know maybe four years, and sort of became a little more complicated and a little more depthy for her. And um, we were talking on the telephone, and you know, I, as I said, I wasn't going to say, "Oh, come on," you know. Um, you're having, you know, this is a psychotic event or, you know, it's not for me to say. And um, I said, well, why don't we pray? You know, why don't we try that? Let's just see if this works for you. And she she didn't feel that she really had a direction in terms of a belief system and she thought that was fine. So um, I was praying and there was a, 
something started to form on the ceiling of my room, well, my little studio apartment, and it was sort of a dark structure with little sparkly things in it, and it started getting bigger, and I thought, that's just too bizarre, like, (laughs) what am I seeing? What is that? And I didn't tell her that I was seeing anything, and um, I just really said, you know, you have to separate yourself from this. You have to push it away. You have to reject it. Um, just, you know, really try being assertive. And this thing started growing bigger and bigger, and I thought I was hallucinating. I, I didn't know what I was seeing. And it started kind of moving rapidly around my ceiling, and then it went into my bathroom and knocked everything off the back of my toilet. And I just said, uh, Natasha, um, can I give you a call back? <laughs> well, so th- was this thing spreading across your ceiling or was this thing coming yeah, out I mean, in 3D and in flying a... around? Or, or... Well, it was. I, I, it's really hard to describe, Jeremy, because it wasn't... I've never seen anything like it. I, I mean, I could see through it, but it, it was like a shadow. I guess that's the best way to say it. It was like a shadow, and it had very active little sparkly things in it. Well, and, can we can we approach it from this way? Was it um, was it cloud like? Would you say? Yeah, I guess so. Like shadowy, cloud like. It was sort kind of, of amorphous, no particular shape whatsoever. Or no, did it have a shape to it? But I guess if I were to stamp a shape on it, I would say oval. Okay, like, but it kept on kind of expanding. Okay. You know, the, the more I was directing her to get rid of what was bothering her, it was expanding at a rate of my desire for her to separate from. And, and when it when it began moving around the ceiling, was it uh, was it moving with the at the oblong angle, or was it moving the opposite direction? Well, it. Uh, I don't really know how to answer it in that way, but I'll tell you, it started above me. And then it started to move away from me as it grew larger. Okay. Um, and I was towards a corner of the room or towards a wall. Towards my door. Towards the door. Which was a. Uh, uh, it was quite a small room because it was a little studio. Okay. So there wasn't a lot of room for it to move. It's like okay. four hundred square feet, but. Um, yeah, and then it, I saw it like if. It just was the fastest movement. I thought, wow, that's really kind of looks like a, it's really growing at a rapid pace. But then it just zoomed right into my bathroom. Like that's when it sort of came off the ceiling and sort of, you know, a regular doorway. It went through the midsection of the doorway. And, uh, you know, based on the rate of speed, that's when everything fell off the back of my toilet. It was crammed with shampoo bottles, you know. Just a whole bunch of bottles and things. Right. Was the door in the corner of a room, or was it uh, was it dead center in in on the wall? In other words, it was at the corner beside my front door. Okay. Gotcha. So that happened, and I, I just said, "Well, you know, hey Tash, uh, can I give you a call back?" Because I didn't I didn't really know how to process what had just happened. <laughs> right. Of course. And I yeah, I just went and sat out in the lobby of the of the uh, apartment and just prayed and um, just hoped that my, my room would be clear when I went back in and it, it was, it was fine. And I called her back and I 
I had to share with her what had happened. And she said, oh, that's really weird. My, my, my friend saw the same thing above me when I was having a sleepover at her place. She said she couldn't really describe it, but it was like a shadow with little sparkles in it. I thought, How would you describe the, uh, the sparkles, Lynn? Would you say that they were like stars? Did they, did they grow in intensity from dim and then back out again? Or did it just, was it kind of like more like you dropped uh, glitter in the air, how you just get those little touches of light, otherwise you don't see it? Well, I, I, it's coming to me um, that you described something. Um, it was a UFO over O'Hare or something. Yeah. Um, and it was sort of staticky. Yes. And I, I call it sparkles, but I guess if I'm trying to relay it to you, if I say staticky, maybe uh-huh. that gives a better impression of what I was seeing. Yeah, it sure does. That involved prayer, Jeremy. <laughs> well, so what happened to her then? Did, did it work? No. The prayer did not work? No, no, it didn't. Were you a religious person before this, or did it just come to you like, oh my God, let's pray? <laughs> um, no, I've always prayed. I've always I've always had, like, a, I just kind of, I don't, it's not like I sit in a corner and um, have, you know, get down. I'm, I just, I'm always praying. I'm always thankful. I, I, I always have a prayer going. Um, are you Christian? Um, I, that's a hard, uh, I believe in God. Christian prayers? Was it a Christian prayer? Or was um, it just a please God help kind of thing? No, I guess, I guess, if, I guess it would be a Christian prayer. Yeah, I guess that you have to try and define it, yeah. Uh, okay, so so you're praying and she's praying and it didn't help, so did... Uh, did well, that's the thing is I don't think she was praying. Well, did it, I, I mean, did anything help? What, what, what happened to her eventually? Well, she's still uh, struggling with it. She's been to psychics. She's been to uh, shamans. She's been to healers. Um, she's been baptized in many different types of religion. Uh, Has she been to a psychiatrist or a psychologist? Yes. Yeah. I was going to get to that point too. <laughs> yeah, she has. And um, they've given her medication that doesn't seem to help. She doesn't fall into any particular diagnostic um, category. Um, and she's a very, she's, she's incredibly open about her experiences and she's, she's a truly honest person. So I, I don't doubt that these things are happening to her in some form or on some level. Um, does she have a history of sexual abuse in her family or not in her family? Does she have a history of sexual, sexual abuse? She went through a period of thinking that maybe that was the cause of it because, you know, there's always that, that desire to want to find the origins of whatever's going on with you. And I think the first thing to do is look at your family and try and figure out how they screwed you up or, (laughs) you know, try and find some sort of core event that, um, maybe is, you know, your unresolved feelings about it are manifesting through all of this weirdness. And she's been on, you know, she's, she's gone down that road. And I don't think that, that she feels ultimately that she was sexually abused. Um, I'd have to check in with her again about that. But last time I spoke with her, she didn't feel that she had been. And is she able to keep relationships or do men well, and, or whoever she's attracted to, do they just sort of <laughs> flee? <laughs> She has a very hard time keeping relationships of of a romantic nature. She's right. an awesome friend. I mean, she's she's incredible. She's highly intelligent. She's really she's a really wonderful person. Um, 
Lynn, what does she do for a living? She's an artist. Of course she is. <laughs> Shock. Uh, do you do you remember just on and this this may be a hard one for you to answer, but you know, do you remember what her birthday was? It's in November. Okay. Why? Well, Natasha, the name Natasha is um Latin. It's uh Dice Natalis and that's natal day or birthday. And it's usually that name is usually given to children um uh, or na- namely girls uh born around uh Christmas. Oh. Uh it's it's a reference to the tra- traditional birth of Jesus. That's what her name means. Oh, that's really interesting. Uh, so I take it that her background was Russian then, right? Yes. Okay. Somewhere down the line, I don't know. Look at Jeff being an investigator. Well, I know. Oh my God. <laughs> that was pretty impressive. This is what I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so did prayer ever come up again for you in any of these situations? Yeah. Um, an- another one. Um, see, I-, I personally think that God has kind of a dark sense of humor, if I can say that. I was in the same little apartment, and... Uh, I was having some real anxiety about, you know, the concept that aliens could exist and abductions and things like that because I was really trying to understand all of the things that had happened to me over my life and and I thought maybe the alien scenario kind of fit. So I was sitting on my bed and I thought, I'm just going to pray about this because, uh, you know, if I believe in, in a higher power that's kind and loving, then maybe maybe it'll help me out. So I said, please, you know, I really believe that if this didn't exist, you would let me know. Or if this did exist, you would let me know. And so I'm going to to now make the oath to you to be calm and not be fright, frightened of these ridiculous things. And just at that moment, that, you know, that neon green light that you guys were talking about, in the last episode that right, we had yeah. a talk, there's this huge neon light flash in my kitchen. <laughs> and I just thought, damn, you know, that's, that's not really funny. Um, because it, it sort of left me with the feeling of, you know, I didn't feel it was necessarily an answer, but I did kind of feel that I was meant to continue questioning. What made you even suspect uh, alien abduction would answer what was happening? Because nothing you've described uh, sounds like alien abduction, alien doctors, and the sort of thing that you, I, I assume, would have picked up on, you know, before you got to our show. You No? I mean, you must well, have read yeah, something I mean, or seen course, something I mean, about I mean, alien abduction. Yeah, I mean, I had a TV, and um, I don't know, I was just kind of always freaked out about aliens. I was afraid. I, I've always had trouble sleeping, and I guess it was my way of trying to find the origins of why I was so afraid to go to sleep. I'm terrified of the dark. How do you feel about walking in the dark outside? Oh, I can't. Do, I can't do it. I absolutely can't do it. I am. And what kind of feeling do you get when you're walking outside in the dark by yourself? I feel like the darkness is alive. Uh huh. And I just feel like. I could disappear at any second. Any feeling of, uh, and this may sound a little weird, that uh, you could fall up? More like fall through something. Okay. Yeah. Just like 
vanish. Right. Speaking of the dark, um, the the black sparkly thing, uh, did you ever see that again? No. Hmm. No, it was, I never saw it with her. Um, I mean, I've, I feel that I've had encounters with ghosts. I feel I've had an out-of-body experience. I, I mean, I kind of have had a lot of experiences, but I've never seen that. And it really felt like a conscious, it felt like it had a, an awareness and it kind of appeared to be a little pissed off. (laughs) Oh gosh, I can't believe I'm saying this. (laughs) This is all recorded, right? You're doing fine. Yeah, you're doing great. You you had it, you had an out of body experience. Uh, Yeah. When you had that, did you did you look at yourself, uh, meaning your astral quote unquote self, during that experience at all? Um, my astral self. Yes. Why are you asking that question? Yes, I did. Yeah, and I, I really any resemblance that. to the black thing on the ceiling? No. No. Mm-mm. Did it look like the black thing on the ceiling? No. Did it? Um, did it have a staticky appearance? No. What kind of appearance did it have to you? Kind of, um, kind of hazy. And uh, gosh, I, I just, I, I really hate sounding stereotypical. I just, it kind of felt glowy. Okay, that's okay. You can say glowy on this show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, blue, gray, green, yellow. Any uh, color? Kind of, just kind of a, I don't know, just like the color of. I don't know, pollen. Okay. Yeah, um, that, I mean, that was during a really stressful time in my life. My brother had been sent to the Iraq war and the first one. Mm-hmm. And I was really upset, you know, and uh, that happened. And I came back from that sort of thinking, well, you know, uh, this is fascinating because, you know, maybe we do continue. Maybe there is something other than this physical body. Because I still, I mean, I still had the same sense of humor. I still had... Um, the same, I was really intrigued with the fact that I could make myself kind of large and then become really small. And then I could shoot across my room just, you know, I just, I was on one side of my room and then I just thought, hey, I want to go see my mom down the hall because she was sleeping. And um, my door was open just to crack and I just shot to it. I guess it's close to the speed of light. I can never say that <laughs> I've traveled. Yeah, the speed of thought, right. Yeah, and uh, um, but I knew I couldn't go outside of the room. There was something uh, preventing me from going outside, and it was very scary. So I just uh, kind of hung around in my room, zipped around, and then um, ended up back in my body. Did you have uh, awareness of yourself still in your body as you were no, astrally out there? not at all. Hmm. I was completely, whatever I am now, was outside of my body. And were you seeing through what would appear to be eyes? No. Um, it didn't feel like eyes. I mean, um, were you seeing 360? Were you see, did you have the same you know, perspective, oh, spatial I had perspective? The same, I had the same perspective, um, but I can't say that I... It was like, um, instead of feeling like I had two eyes, it felt like I only had one, which I don't know if that makes any sense. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, was it red in the same way that, that Visions were tinted red? Or was everything normal colors? No, everything was normal. It was um, my, I, you know, going back to my uh, nyctophobia, I did have a little light on. Um, and the color of, you know, the, the, the hue in the room was exactly the same as, as it was. And nothing got brighter. Or, um, I was just in my room. And I felt kind of mischievous, and I wanted to, you know, go cruise around, but uh, I just, I couldn't leave my room. Um, how often would you say your experiences uh, at least seem to happen in response to something you're focusing on during a period of stress? Because that sounded like you were having you know, yeah, questions that during that period of stress, and then there's your answer. Yeah, that was definitely stress-related, um, and of course, I was very concerned about, you know, if my brother was killed in action. Um, that was definitely the focus. So, I am totally willing to entertain the fact that somehow my brain overcompensated and allowed me to have an experience that could bring me some calm. I wouldn't even um, go with that. I would say, I mean, because it, it sounds like from what you described before where, you know, you're, you're praying to God and, you know, give me a sign and then you get a sign. You're praying with this girl for this whatever it is to stop plaguing her and the seemingly the whatever it is enters your home and knocks over some stuff. So yeah. it, it seems like from what you're saying that there is um, – and, and in fact, I don't know if we'll talk about it at the beginning or the end of the show, but I had a weird experience this last week, which um, – Seem, which was real and yet was based on the ingredients of things that I had been asking myself yes. uh, recently. And so I'm wondering how many experiences do you think you've had that, that seem paranormal but are based on ingredients of things that have been on your mind? Well, I'd, I'd, I just don't know what type of percentage I could pull out of that. But uh, let, me, let me tell you this next experience that's, that's directly related to what you're talking about. I was uh, going through, uh, my friend was in hospice and, and um, I was quite upset about losing her. And on my way to drive to Canada um, for our final visit, I was just leaving the neighborhood and I saw this little flicker in the road. Uh, I thought it was a leaf at first, but then I realized that there was life attached to it and it was actually a little bird. So I picked it up and I brought it home and uh, my husband was <laughs> kind of wondering what I was up to, but I put this little bird in a basket outside and I was just kind of thinking, you know, I'm not going to let her get run over by a car. She can just kind of go through her process here and, you know, not be eaten by a cat or whatever. She's just be safe. So I guess I put her in hospice. She passed away about the same time that my friend did. And uh, when I came home, I was driving. My husband and I were going for coffee, and I was driving, and I had this thought that was directly, uh, I, I directed it at God, and I said, ha, because I was thinking about the bird. And I said, I saved her. Um, I didn't let you get her um, at the time you wanted her to go. And we parked the car, just as I thought that, and I saw this black, 
shadow go behind the car. And I said, did you see that? And he said, uh, yeah, I saw something. And we got out of the car and right above the driver's side, which I was driving, right above there was a bird flayed completely open with his guts hanging out right on the roof of the car. And for me, that was kind of um, a message, or at least what I took from it was, you know, I can't beat death. I can't, I can't change things. You know, I just kind of have to come to terms with it. And I can say with a lot of certainty that there was, there was synchronicity there, if, if nothing else, in terms of the message or whatever. So I don't know how that relates outside of my brain, what that sounds like, but I, I, I bet in all of my life, driving my car, there'll never be a very warm, dead bird with its guts hanging out on the roof of my car. Right. You know? <laughs> well, again, I'm struck with the question, how do you relate this to alleged aliens? Well, I was just, it was just a form of uh, exploration. Uh, you know, when you're left with a bunch of things that don't really make sense, I do believe that there's a lot of possibilities in this world. I can't say aliens don't exist. I can't say they haven't had contact with the human race. I can't say that they're not here walking around us right now. I mean, I just don't know. Yeah, but I think the interesting thing to me, at least, is that the deeper thing than that is that what you're describing, I think most people listening would say it sounds like either some sort of demonic thing or some sort of um, you know poltergeist-type activity that you're projecting um, mm-hmm. through your life, and yet you <laughs> relate to it, it, at least on some level, in terms of you know, or want to relate to it in terms of alien abduction. Well, actually, um, I, actually I just find not, that interesting because that's, that's not necessarily true. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't put everything through that lens. A lot of, a lot of things that I've experienced, I don't say, Ooh, aliens, you know, I mean, I kind of have little categories for everything. I think the, the place where you can have the conversation and the place where, um, you know, the the boundaries or the walls sort of fall away um, about these experiences happen to be um, on your board. You know, there's a lot that's discussed that doesn't necessarily have to do with alien abduction. I mean, people talk about very personal experiences. They don't necessarily relate it to green men. That's true. I guess I guess what I was just sort of getting at is that it seems like, well, here's an example of how little green men um, how that that sort of thinking about it, I almost said paradigm, but I'm not sure it's a paradigm, but that sort of thinking about what quote-unquote alien abduction is, is deteriorating, that it really is broader. It re- really is a part of this whole other tapestry of stuff, and yeah, that you, think, you must have intuited it on some level. And Well, the abduction thing came from, why am I so terrified to sleep at night? You know, and hearing stories about people who are visited in the night... Um, but again, think about that. I mean, why are you afraid to sleep at night? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> because of everything you just said? 
which again, I don't think sounds like well, um, I mean, I, nuts I and just, bolts aliens. You know what I mean? I've, I've seen some weird stuff. I mean, I'm not look. I'm saying I'm not, it's in your subconscious. It's floating around in there to connect all of this stuff together. That's that's what well, I'm sure. You know, you you always try and find answers or reasons. I mean, weird things happen, and you try and trace it back to one thing. And I think that's our our mistake, actually, is that we're always trying to put it into one category. And I don't think it just falls under one cat. I don't think it is one category. I think there's a lot going on. Um, I think there are a lot of things that happen to just normal people that, you know, are very much out of the ordinary. And, you know, however the person interprets it or whatever, it makes an impact. I agree, but uh, what do you guys think of this? I mean, I guess I've just sort of always figured if there are aliens from another planet and they – or another dimension or whatever, and they know how to get here and they know more about life than we do, then then by default they know about uh, whatever this stuff that seems demonic to us is. By default they already know the secrets of life and death. By default all of this stuff. And so once you are in that situation of – of uh, understanding all of that stuff, then doesn't your existence become amorphous? I mean, you, you can't even... I'm just saying, even if they were originally people from another planet or another dimension like us, at this stage, they probably would look more like any of this other stuff does to us. You know? That it would all be of a larger ecology that that we would understand and integrate into um, on our own terms eventually. That's assuming a lot, isn't it? I don't know that it is. I mean, uh, I I don't know. What's the big assumption? I mean, well, I mean that whatever they are. I mean, put it. Think of it this way: Do you think aliens would come to Earth and uh, and be like, "Oh my God, what's this demonic stuff? That's really crazy." There's a whole other thing out there called demonic realm that we don't understand. I mean, Uh you think that that's possible? I, I just don't think that's possible. I'm not an ETH subscriber, so now I, I don't believe in such things. But uh, an ETH, let's qualify it so I don't get fucking hate mail. It doesn't mean I don't think there's intelligent life in the universe somewhere. I do. I just don't think it's here. Uh, literally. <laughs> um, no, I, I think that um, I, I think that this all comes down to the same thing. I think what Lynn's getting at is we just we don't know what this is, what it represents, and, and however that it is, it is perceived by us is not necessarily what it is. And so, you know, it, you have to, I always ask myself the question is, does this thing, is it intelligent? Yes. Uh, is it coming here on purpose? We don't know. Clearly, I think, judging by the reams of information that people like Jacques Vallée have talked about, we've talked about on this show, and and people elsewhere have talked about is it's it's a subjective experience. It's very uh, it's very dependent upon the the envelope of the person who's perceiving it as to what they actually see. And so, what does that mean about the root of what it is? So you know, for and all we know, there's you know these whatever they are. If it's a they, uh, for all we know, uh, it's repeated attempts to make. Uh, some sort of connection with us for whatever reason. And uh, time after time, they sit back in their lounge chairs and go, 
Jesus, how do we now they got aliens before we were elves? What the fuck is next? How do you reach these people? I mean, well, I, I just I, I don't think it's an it. I mean, there's, there's there's not just one fish in the ocean. Right. You know, it's not just all tuna. Right. I guess what I'm saying is I think that that the multiple fish in the ocean on some level know about each other. Um that that if if there are again if, if something comes here from another planet or another dimension and they figured out how to you know achieve that uh, I don't think they're going to come here and be like wait a minute there's angels and demons on Earth but not where we're from like I don't think it works that way you know uh, I don't think they're going to be like wait a minute this whole this whole life death death thing that's that still eludes us well I I think we're we're all you know I mean we're all allowed our our belief system. And how do we know they don't have a belief system or it doesn't have a belief system? They're limited to communication with us or it is or they, I mean, I don't know what to call it, because we're limited. So they rely on symbols. They rely on emotions. They, you know, I mean, I don't know if there's a particular message. I don't know why there's even a desire to make contact, Uh, you know, but, but stuff goes on. Things things happen, and you know, you, a lot of people who would prefer to say uh, that they're mentally ill, or you know, just put it into one realm, I think are actually limiting themselves to realizing that there's a really rich and diverse human experience. You know, it's it's a part of the human experience, is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think there are some things that are mental illness, and then there are some things that look like mental illness but aren't, and then there are some things that um, psychology categorizes, but they don't know what it is, but they just sort of go, well, like we were talking about what exploding head syndrome on the forum. Right, I mean, there are things yeah. like that where I think nobody really knows what the cause is, but if you just say there's such a thing as a syndrome, then right. you're not liable to question what the hell that even is. Right. It's, oh, well, it's a syndrome. That's what he's got. He's got that. Well, what's that? Well, it's, it's exploding head syndrome. Yeah, it's impressive. <laughs> so I, I think there's way too much of that going on with this stuff, too. Yeah, I like I like that Alice uh, kind of found that. Found that. Um, I don't know why I landed in Paratopia. I have no idea, other than I really like the direction that you guys take. Um, you seem like you have a really broad perspective. And you, you both definitely are curious and trying to find an answer. And I just think so many people just sort of say, oh, I got the answer, and I'm going to tell you what it is. And if you don't follow my belief structure, then you're really missing out on the truth. And I don't think that's what it's about. For nine ninety five plus shipping in hand. Well, exactly. And I don't think that's what it's about. I think, I think every person has to come to terms with it in their own way. Uh, let me ask you, you um, so you have a lifetime of uh, pockmarked with weird things, and then you go back and you talk to your family about this? Sure. Yeah. And what do they say? Do they say, yeah, us too? Or do they say, oh, that's good, dear, pat, 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 or, or well, my, what? My- my brother has really interesting experiences, which I don't, I don't feel I should really um, share because those are his. Okay. Um, half siblings. One sister in particular has 
uh, some interesting experiences, which again, all they're her experiences. Um, I don't, I don't know exactly what your question is, but when it's, you know, if we're sitting around at the dinner table and I say, I went to a hotel and, you know, I encountered a ghost, it's like, oh, well, great. Tell me about that. Well, I guess my question is after a lifetime of experiences and you sit down and you go, okay, I've had not just, I saw a ghost once, but I had this, 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 and this, and you go down the list. Uh, I mean, have you ever had that conversation and, and what would be what, like, for instance, what, what would be your parents' reaction? Since my dad's not here, my mom's reaction is, um, how unique and interesting and aren't you lucky? Hmm. So there's no, oh, me too. Yes, dear. That happened to me in my life. Uh, no, she, she actually had, well, she's kind of had two experiences, but one in particular, when she was a child, she had an experience of um, Asian head floating beside her bed, uh, an Asian man, um, huge head floating beside her bed. Oh, no, she's had two. Yeah. Um, and another time she was trying to uh, follow steps to astral projection in the 70s, and um, she heard a disembodied voice tell her she wasn't strong enough. So those are her two experiences. Hmm. What is the floating Asian head? I wonder. I don't know. She's she um she's very interested in archaeology and and uh, you know different cultures and things. So maybe that's kind of. I think she was about fourteen at the time. Maybe, maybe it was you know again. You I mean you point out that it's kind of where your headspace is. Maybe that's where her headspace was. And have these things evolved for you or with you over the years that, in any way that you can see, uh, or is it? still sort of just random stuff? Oh, it's very random. It's super random, and um, I just try and navigate through it. I just, I accept it. I I mean, listening to your, okay, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be such a fan, but listening <laughs> to your show. No, no, go on, please. <laughs> <laughs> please. <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, reading the contributions from the posters, and, you know, there's so many really intelligent people that are posting on your board and um, they pull from so many different sources. And I personally, up until the point of last April, have never been able to face whatever this was head on and never kind of took my spear to it and just said, you know, let's, let's rumble, man. Let's just find out what this is. Um, And just sort of listening to all the different perspectives, listening to, um, really educated people contribute to your show <laughs> and having everybody come up with different conclusions but still really being open to the possibility of, you know, this parallel life or whatever you want to call it has sort of calmed me down a bit. I don't feel as anxious about stuff. Ah, peritopia being therapeutic. <laughs> Absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. yeah, it's been great. Um, are you married now? Yes. And do you talk to your husband about this stuff? Yes. Yeah. Does is he interested? Yeah, he is. He's he's. Uh, I think he trusts my. I mean, I'm not coming home. <laughs> you know, like oh, I saw an elf today, or you know, <laughs> a pterodactyl picked me up and took me to work. You know, it's, it's nothing, nothing really bizarre. I mean, we were we were at a hotel in a little Eastern Washington place, and uh, there there was kind of a little ghost thing there. Um, oh, it was called the Weinhardt Hotel in Dayton. 
uh, Washington, room number six. And uh, I didn't know anything about the hotel, and we were just kind of taking a summer trip. And we went into, we came in late, and my husband went to bed, and I was watching TV, and I was sitting in a rocking chair. And it felt like somebody stood on the back of the rocking chair, and it kind of went back a bit. And I thought, that's creepy, um, and just tried to ignore it. Uh, and then I was, I kind of felt things sort of change in the room, sort of a density. And I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just, you know, go to bed and just kind of tune it out. And I got into bed and got really close to him with my back to the room. And I felt these two taps on my shoulder. And I just thought, oh, you know, I can't deal with this. And I closed my eyes really tight. And when I did that, I saw this little girl in a black and white checkered dress with her arms folded, and she was kind of pissed at me. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I cannot deal with that. So I just turned on the light and just tried to go to sleep. And the next morning, I went down to the woman who was running the hotel, and I was just chit-chatting with her, and I said, hey, you know, I'm kind of interested in the history of old buildings and things, and uh, are there any really interesting, are there any hauntings around the town? It's an old town. She said, no, not really. I said, okay. She said, well, actually, there is a woman that comes to the hotel, and she stays, you're, you're in room six, right? And I said, yeah. She said, well, she stays in your room, and she said she likes staying there because there's a little girl that stands at the end of the bed. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> so I went back up to Jason, and I, I told him about that. And he wasn't, I mean, he didn't feel anything. He didn't experience anything. But he believed me. I mean, he didn't think, I, there's no reason to manufacture it. I mean, it's not like I have a ghost hunting show or something, and I'm trying to, you know, cash in on this weird fairy tale about a kid. Right. And so, and, you know, bringing up the ghost shows, I get kind of mad that they, they're just sort of callous about these entities that they find. They're like, oh, yeah, I found a ghost. See you later. <laughs> um, so I thought, you know, maybe she's hanging around here for a reason. So I started sort of taking the furniture, you know, pulling out drawers and things and trying to find a name on the old furniture. Um, but I couldn't find anything. So, you know, she's probably still in that little room there. Have you ever um, had a communication with what you thought was a ghost? No. Do you think that this is as personal as um, Jeff and I do? I think some things are. I think hauntings are different, though. So do you? So see, this is then. This is the million dollar question about that, which is: Is it a coincidence that you're the one seeing the hauntings? I mean, how many things? How many weird types of things can happen to one person? I don't know. <laughs> I have an answer for that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's got to be something about the person, right, who's having both personal and impersonal, you know, paranormal phenomena happen to them when other people aren't. Well, I mean, that's, well, hey, Lynn, when you were a kid and you had weird stuff, were you analytical about it as a kid? Yeah. I mean, I kind of. I always thought when I was a kid that when weird things happen, I'd sort of file them away and I'd tell myself, I'll understand this when I'm older. 
Okay. Was there ever a point where you thought this happened to everybody? No. I think so you knew. So you knew it was weird. I mean, so at that, even at that, you know, at a yeah, young I age, mean, you, you knew you that learned, this was out of the ordinary. You learn pretty quickly that you know not everybody's receptive. And I don't. I mean, I. I don't. I would never call myself a psychic. I would. Ne- I don't put any label on it. I think that, you know, with respect to individuals who who do, I just. I just don't think it's that reliable. I just, I mean, I think it's random. I think it's like the wind. Um, you know, I just happen to get more leaves stuck in my hair than other people. Right. It's not something that that I think is really consistent. It just kind of happens. Right. And so you you, know, you didn't put a lot of undue focus on it as a kid. If you were a fish. <laughs> <laughs> And you heard the boat go by and you saw the hook dangling. You didn't bite it as a kid. No. Okay. But as you got older, uh, I mean, of course, meeting Natasha and having her in tandem events of weird stuff, uh, that had to pique you at that point in your life. Yeah. Um, I think when I started to have the weird dreams, like I, I put a stop to my weird dreams, you know, my red vision dreams when I dreamt right. about walking through an alleyway and meeting a man with a parrot on his shoulder. I was like, what the hell does that mean? Like, how useful is this skill? Like, am I supposed to be afraid of the man with the parrot on his shoulder? Is, you know, and I just kind of asked for it to go away because it seemed like it would take up an awful lot of time for me to try and decipher the the symbolism associated with whatever I was dreaming. Okay. Were you a loner as a kid? Yes, sadly I was. Yeah. Hmm. I like spending time alone. I I sort of, you know, I had one nice friend, but no, I, I don't think that my style of humor or outlook really appealed to a lot of the other kids. (laughs) What was your style of humor? (laughs) I don't know. I just kind of saw, Funny things. I liked. I liked watching people, and I liked interactions. And I don't know. I like gumdrops. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where to where to start. Um, when we're talking about paranormal experiences in general, which we're ca- we're casting a pretty broad net with you. I mean, this is a pretty. You've had pretty much. Uh, it's been a, a broad spectrum of of weird things. Yeah. But but here's the direct question. I mean, uh, you know, Jeremy was talking about your your connection to this uh, this alien abduction thing or UFOs and all of this kind of tying in together. Have you seen a UFO? Have you had uh, that experience more than once, or if at all? No, not seen I a UFO. I, no, I've never seen a UFO. Okay, I look for them. But, you know, there, there was sort of this, this narrative, um, I guess, about the time that I started thinking that it could be UFOs or, you know, abduction or, or you know, some sort of ancient knowledge being transferred to me through, you know, my alien companion, invisible, you know, who knows, right? Right. Um, and I, I guess I just needed that. I just sort of, I thought, hey, you know, here's a concrete explanation for what could be going on 
it's a possibility that maybe I should explore. But every time I did, I just got kind of freaked out, like this idea of something coming in the night and having full authority over you and, and um, you know, violating you in horrible ways and then throwing you back into your bed and, you know, you just sort of left with, uh, you know, this traumatic, this post-traumatic syndrome. Um, but then, and I know, I, I know you guys are sort of done with the topic, but then when I started to realize that a lot of the, the recall was coming from hypnosis, I was just like, oh, you know, is that, I don't think that's really reliable. Right. I think if, because the things I've had, I haven't had to have go. I haven't had to have hypnosis to remember the things that have happened to me, even though they've been a bit weird. Right. Sure. Um. And I think I noted on the on the board, people who have had near death experiences have total recall. They don't. They don't need to have somebody sit there and take them back. They just remember. <laughs> right. You know. Well, because they're some of the most potent memories, aren't they? I mean. Yeah, I mean it's it's a very real experience. It's like real times ten, and right. yeah. And I think yeah. um, you know you both brought up the point. I think Jeremy uh, said, you know, if they're such an advanced civilization, why are they still working with beakers and collecting dirt samples? <laughs> right. And I just thought, you know, that's so true. Like, what is it that we're seeing? Like, why does it appear that way? Is it, it, does it shapeshift to appeal to our senses? And if it, if it does, what is it really? Oh, well, yeah. Well, so I, think this is, I think this is another one of those all of the above answers where I think uh, there is a shapeshift element and there is, as you've experienced, a answering your own personal inquiries um, yeah. a part of it. But then there's also... Um, the bad research element and, you know, I, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think you could make the same, the exact same case for what the hypnotist is doing, you know, sort of co-creating this alien reality with yeah. his client as you can with the reality itself and, and its client. Uh, so I, I find that interesting, but something actually Carol Rainey wrote in a private email today. I don't think she'll mind me saying this, which I is one of those things that just flew over my head is, where are all the female hybrids mating with the men and holding them down and all of that? Why is it all yeah, males? That's right. Um, all right. <laughs> well, isn't the answer to that? Uh, what? <laughs> because it's, look at who's doing the hypnosis. I mean, it's arrogant, you know, men. <laughs> and so what do they produce? They produce hybrids that are arrogant men. They produce well, facsimiles of themselves. Well, yes. But also the women who do do it have been trained by these arrogant men. So they're kind of, I mean, if that's, if that's pertinent to what you're saying, you know, people who have had these, you know, main fellows as their mentors go off and they say that they're coming up with the same results as their mentors are. And it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of infectious, isn't it? Uh, well, I know at least back in the eighties, there was a, uh overwhelming proportion of the experiencers that I met in everything from MUFON groups to doing a lecture someplace to experiencer support groups. It was majority females. Um, I would say, I would say almost 
two to one probably, or a little more than that, which, which I mean, I, I've come up with the term of bored housewife syndrome, which is certainly applied to quite a few people that I met. But, you know, I, I think when it comes to people like yourself, where you've got, I mean, you, you mentioned on the round table about the whole Bigfoot story mm-hmm. and, um, Keep going back to your dad. Oh, Keep yeah. going back to your dad with, like you said on the round table, you had a very unstructured lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say, I mean, would you say that your your younger years or your childhood days were because of his unstructured lifestyle that maybe yours was about the same, you're, that you kind of fell into an unstructured life at that point? Yeah. Yeah, it's taken me uh, many years to embrace structure. Right. Do you uh, find that when you have structure in your life that these things don't seem to get any ground on you? It's less. Yeah, it dep- I mean, it, it, it happens when I'm traveling now. Um, right, like which makes like sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it happens less, but it still happens. Right. Yeah. Um, how often do you have uh, unexplained lights in the house? Well, that's a tough one for me because I know that you do, and I still haven't identified them as such because I, I don't think I see what you what you kind of discuss. Maybe if I can use the term orb, um, uh-huh. moving around your home, I see more flashes of light. Yes, um, but I don't know if that's a vision problem that I have. Well, that leads me to the other question, which is how many of your experiences, whether they be with this light phenomena or other things, have been shared? You know, that's one thing that I think is really interesting about you, um, because you're, you do ask the people around you, you know, are you seeing that? And I, I just I haven't gotten there yet. I just kind of say, oh, okay, there you are. Huh. Um, when my friend uh, was passing away, I saw lots of light around her. Okay. And I asked my mom if she could see it, and she said no. Um, this is as she's, I, I take it, as she's laying there, you know, in hospice, correct? When she was in hospice, yeah. Right. I hadn't seen that many flashes around somebody. Um, and when I held her hand, I could definitely feel her energy. It was, well, it was, I, I can't explain it all, but... There was definitely something happening um, right. rather than just her passing away. And I know she wouldn't mind me talking about this because we, we would talk about things. So I don't feel like I'm invading her private moment of passing. But, um, right. yeah, uh, I saw a, lot of, saw a lot of light then. And have you, have you seen her at all since she's passed? No. Huh. No, I've never seen anybody... Uh, that I, I know after they've passed. Uh, maybe in a dream. Right. I, have, I haven't seen her. I saw my grandfather. Um, and I felt my dad communicated with me after he passed away, but I didn't see him. Okay. In what way did he communicate with you? Well, it's, it's uh, sort of through nature. Uh, okay. I was holding a... a my husband and I had a ceremony um, on the docks where he initially tested his life raft, and I felt it was a really good place 
because uh, I couldn't go back east for his funeral. Um, I thought it was a really good place for me to sort of say goodbye. And I wrote down um, on these rocks the names of the people that I knew he loved. And I was going to put them in this mesh bag and with a silver clock with the time of his death. And he had bought the clock for me. So right. sort of sim- symbolic. But I really was hesitant about writing my name on one of the rocks. And it was a real moment for me to sort of, you know, and I, I just kind of questioned how much he loved me. And I was, I guess part of me thought, wow, you know, I'm going to live a lot of years wondering that. And that's uh-huh. kind of sad, you know. So we went through the ceremony and I placed um, the bag into the water. And, you know, as I, I said a prayer and there wasn't any water disturbance. And my husband pointed to the water coming from the left. And he said, what is that? And I looked and I know it was special to me. So I don't know how it's going to translate. No, that's okay. It was a whole bunch of little water bubbles and they were formed in the shape of a perfect heart. And I've never seen that before. (laughs) I mean, that would be rare, yeah. <laughs> and wow. I was I was just struck. And I've never doubt, doubted his love for me since hmm. that moment. And I don't know how inappropriate this is, but... Well, go ahead, Jeremy. <laughs> as we're talking about all of this parental death, just got an email from Emma Woods that Brian Reed's mother passed away. Oh. oh I'm yeah. so sorry. Our condolences to him. Yeah, that's that's really sad. Perhaps There's we'll, synchronicity for you. Perhaps we'll have to dedicate this episode to him. Yeah. yeah. You know, when you're looking at this stuff across the board, I mean, you certainly had your fair share of of weird things. Uh, but, and I ask this pretty much uh, of everybody with, you know, uh, stuff that, that, that kind of either goes completely outside the box of ufology or, uh, completely outside the box of ghosts and kind of just as a smattering of stuff. Um, do you find any, any sort, you know, well, I, I guess the operative thing here to ask is have you ever sat down and written um, like a chronology of the weird things that you can remember? And if you did, or if you've ever thought about that, have you found any sort of correlation to any of them, whether there be, uh, you know, time or stress or travel. I mean, you've certainly narrowed down the travel part. Um, but uh, any similarity in the nature or manifestation, right down the detail of what you experience. In other words, that's why I asked you about the, the astral thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've, I've spoken to a lot of people who've looked at their astral self or, or looked at their hand when they, when they get out. Um, and they tell me that it looks much like a grayish blue static and it's mm-hmm. very fine. It's very, uh, uh, it's, it's not, it's a very high density grain. And that seems to be a big, big thing, whether it be ghost manifestations, alien, quote unquote, alien beings, UFOs, uh, and even stuff that you can't even begin to describe like, I know I've talked about the humps in the air that I've seen on multiple occasions. That same thing applies to that. 
So have you seen this consistency in any way to some of these things that just, you know, says to you, this might all be somehow connected uh, as one big thing? No, I, I wish I could say that I did, you know, I wish I could say, oh, that's what it is, you know, and then be able to give it a name. I, I feel that the ghost experiences are very, very separate from the out of body. Um, I feel the, you know, interactions with, you know, synchronicity are very different. I, I'm just not of the mind where I can say it's all one thing. I just, Mm -hmm. I I don't even mean all one thing. I mean that, that there seems to be similarities in the actual visionary aspects of this stuff. Um, you know, does there seem to like, in other words, when you saw Bigfoot, did it really look like a big hairy guy out there? Or was there something just not quite right about the way it looked in that it seemed to have an effect on it that might be, I don't know, like you're missed on the ceiling, that sort of thing. Well, that looked like a big hairy thing. Yeah. That, I mean, that was that, I mean, I wasn't afraid of it. I was curious. My dad was afraid of it. And I, I never really thought of myself as somebody who saw Bigfoot. In fact, I've gone into the woods thinking, gee, I hope I see Bigfoot today, you know, because I'm a total geek. And I kind of hesitated to call it Bigfoot. I just, I just didn't bring the layers together and calling it Bigfoot is kind of um, a relief to have a name for it. And, you know, then to, to have a history and, and to know that there are other people that have seen something like it and what are the similarities and, you know, go down that line. But ultimately when I saw it, I thought, wow, what an interesting, I mean, I was four. I, right. I, I reacted to it as I would to any other creature that I had never seen before. Like if it were a zebra, right. Uh-huh. You know, I, would have been, I was like, wow, what a neat thing. What's it doing? I mean, I guess that's been part of my frustration, and I guess that's why I sort of started to look at, um, you know, the alien philosophies or whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, because I really, really want it to just be one thing. Yeah. Well, it'd be nice. Uh, but it's not. I, <laughs> no. I, honest, I honestly do not believe it is. I think there are layers. I just, you know... Like if we can talk about the ocean again, at the bottom of the ocean, there are certain creatures that live there. And as you go up, depending on the water temperature, different creatures survive at those levels. Right. And I, I, I mean, that's just kind of where I'm stuck. I just, you know, depending on where I'm swimming mentally, that's the creature I'm going to run into. Right. Yeah, brain frequency, we've talked about a lot with... Yeah. Well, psychedelics, but we talked about it with other stuff as well. I mean, um, I'm curious if there's ever been any, um, like, like I know at one point when I was, uh, we were waiting for our condominium to be, but we bought it before it was built. Uh, and so I was, uh, in a temporary place. Um, I was actually renting from my, my future father-in-law mm-hmm. and, um, there's a lot of very strange stuff going on uh, at that place. And I, as I've grown older, I mean, at one point I said that that place is haunted, mm-hmm. but as I've gotten older, I've kind of changed my thought into 
the temporary, the out of place, the out of routine. I mean, I couldn't have been more out of routine. I think that's the most out of routine I've ever been in my life. And there was a lot of very, very strange stuff there that largely only me and the little kitty cat I had at the time saw it. But I came home uh, one day and uh, I had a chest of drawer that had essentially like swinging handles on it. Mm-hmm. And they were very floppy. I mean, they were old. I'd had it since I was a kid. I came into the room, and there were five drawers on this chest of drawers. And every drawer handle was balanced perfectly upright. Uh-huh. Just, you couldn't do it on a bet. Right. Um, and I just touched the corner of the chest of drawers with my pinky, and it fell over. So how it survived me walking down the hall, I have no idea. But there was something, I mean, my wife, my future wife at the time saw that. Um, is there, has there been any kind of physical change in the house before, after, during, not during, not after, um, that you're like, what is that about? Why is the uh, lamp on the toilet? Why is, uh, um, you know, do you have things go missing a lot, um, where you know you've got a specific place you put your glasses and you you just know that's where you put them and they're not there but end up you know um in the dog's bowl <laughs> i mean i don't have I, I i had something like that once in my life but i brought it into my home mm-hmm. i went i went to an auction and i bought a uh bookcase uh sort of a barrister's bookcase um well, not really. It has two front doors and then these three shelves, but it's a glass front. And when I was at the auction house, the bottom shelf was up and crammed up against the back of the bookshelf. Okay. And I, I kind of made a mental note of that and pulled it down. There weren't any springs. It wasn't spring-loaded at all. It was just, uh-huh. you know, one of those old sort of pin. You just sort of rested on the pins. Right. And... and uh, when I went, I kind of circled it because I was interested in it. And I went back, and when I went back, it was shoved again up at the back. And I thought, who, you know, who, who here is really fixated on, you know, not showing how beautiful this bookcase could be in someone's home, you know? Right. Um, so I decided to uh, buy it, and I bought it, and I brought it home, and it started clicking. And I huh. thought, that's kind of weird. And then I uh, went to sleep, and at night I would hear it go back. I would hear it, like, the bottom shelf go back. And I was, I was thinking, is this thing weighted incorrectly? Is it slanted at the back? You know, what, how bizarre. I was not thinking any, you know, I just didn't want to go there. Right. Because <laughs> um, I was, you know, again, living by myself, and I, I just didn't really need it. Then I started becoming really self-conscious when I would sit in the living room because it felt like something was watching me. And um, that feeling sort of really affected me. I was just sort of hanging out in my bedroom and the, in the bathroom and just getting out of there. And it would still click occasionally. And, um, you know, it, just, it took me a while to sort of come to terms with the fact that something was wrong, right. even though the energy in my place had changed and, and I honestly had never heard of a haunted piece of furniture. I mean, yeah. I was like, what, you know, so I started calling around just random people. I was living in Victoria at the time and 
uh, I ended up speaking to this woman, a psychic, I guess. And uh, she said, oh, yeah, there's haunted furniture. You have to be really careful what you buy and, you know, just this whole spiel. And I thought, you know, is this thing really haunted? Like, it took me a really, really long time to get there. <laughs> right. Um, Why can't I have nice things? Well, yeah. I mean, I really liked it. And then I, I felt kind of guilty, too, because I was like, well, I'm just going to put it on the side of the street. And I was like, well, should I put up a sign on it and, and like, warn people that it's haunted or just let them right. sort of take it and find out for themselves? So there was this, when I would have company, it would click and bang. It didn't like me having company over. Mm. And um, people would notice it. And it sort of became, like, I I became the butt of every joke because I sort of shared this experience with some people at school. And they'd come over and they'd put their hand in the bottom and they'd be like, ooh, it's cold, you could keep milk down here. And um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so then there was this, this scientist he was, well, he was studying to be a scientist. He was down this, down the hall. And I thought, well, I'm just going to put this thing in the storage area downstairs. And he didn't go to school with me. He was at the university. I was at the college. And um, we didn't really have a lot to talk about. But he, he agreed to help me. Um, and he literally, we were halfway across the room. And he said, is that your bookcase? And I said, I, what do you mean? I don't, I don't know what you mean. He said, <laughs> clicking. I feel something moving inside. Oh. And he dropped it, and he left. Like, he left it in the middle of the room. <laughs> and I thought, oh, God. So I still have it to this day. It's, it's actually, yes, it's in our bedroom. It is. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, and a friend saw something inside. But... I, oh, really? I, Do tell. Then what, what was seen inside of it? You can't, can't leave us hanging on that. Well, he, I don't, I mean, I had told my friend about it before he came to visit me. Okay. So I don't, I, I, I try and be, I mean, I do try and be skeptical about my experiences. I try and not feed into it. Right. Because, you know, you could just go crazy. You really could. So, you yeah. know, I try and eliminate all possibilities and then I'm like, okay, maybe it's a valid experience. So you think the caveat to this is you may have preloaded him for it? Oh, I think I did, yeah. Okay. For sure. But the thing is, I would I had to write notes to myself, like put shelf down at ten fifteen a.m. because I thought I was going crazy. And I'd go do the wash and come back ten thirty shelf up. Like I had this little list. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I put the shelf down. He buzzed me. I put the shelf down. I went to meet with him. He came up. And he opened the doors, and he said, the, the shelf is up. So I don't know whether he put the shelf up because he thought it was quite fun to, you know, kind of freak me out. or. Um, but then we were watching TV, and he looked over, and he started, his eyes started to water, and he got this horrorful, you know, like this, this horror-filled look on his face. And he started to cry, and he said, I just saw something in your cabinet. And I was like, you know, I don't need you doing this to me. Right. <laughs> I didn't really believe him, right? But that was his response, and I'm not saying it was a true response. That's just what happened. I didn't put a lot of stock in it. Did he tell you what he saw? But he told me that he saw that. And, and what, what, what did he see? I mean, what was the... He said what, he, what? Saw, he saw like a, a movement, like this, this like cloudy substance in the cabinet 
Okay. And um, I, I just kind of thought he was messing with me, to be honest. Was the room dim at the time? It was. Okay. TV light. Right, okay. So it could have, I don't know. So anyway, I just kind of approached the cabinet, and I just said, get out of here, I don't want you here. You know, I just kind of prayed and just told it to go away, and I still have it. And is it still misbehaving to this day? <laughs> um, when I was in my studio apartment, there was a couple of clickings that I just didn't feed, I didn't feed it the energy. Okay. Yeah. So you're saying prayer doesn't work. That's what we've learned during this episode. <laughs> I was expecting it to go the other way. When you were like, uh, this, this is going to deal with prayer, some of this stuff. I was like, oh, well, this will be interesting. Prayer made I things think, go away. I think- I, but I think prayer does work, but I, I don't I don't think it works in the way that we want it to work. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm. I I think it I think it does work, but I I just I just don't think we always get the results we're expecting. Well, it's interesting that somebody seems to be listening. <laughs> somebody <laughs> seems to be responding. Well, yeah. I mean, there's definitely some communication going on. Yeah. Well, I, I got to go back to the uh, to the out of body thing again. I mean, you talked about being out. You talked about you know flitting down the hallway and this sort of thing. No, I couldn't go down the hallway. But oh well, uh, you know, shooting from one side of the room to the other, right? Right. You, you, you couldn't you couldn't leave the room, right? Uh, because you felt there was something bad out there. Yeah. Uh, you didn't see anything bad. No. How'd you get out? Of Did my you body? just? Yeah, did you just come to and you were out? Or? Yeah. Well, it was, I, 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 just, I was kind of asleep, and then um, I realized that I sort of changed position, and I started twirling and twirling and twirling and twirling and twirling and twirling, and I couldn't get my bearing. Uh-huh. And I, I, I was like, whoa, what's happening? This is really bizarre. And I stopped. I thought, oh my gosh, I looked, I, I saw my hand um, in my bed and I thought, oh, am I dead? You uh-huh. know, have I died? This is not good. Um, but then part of me wasn't really afraid. I was, I was like, wow, this is cool. This isn't as bad as I thought it would be. And, and um, it was a very real experience. I, I, I mean, I kind of floated up to the side of my room and, um, I noticed a little spot of blue paint and I was consciously thinking, I'm going to check that in the morning to make sure I'm not dreaming. And I did check it in the morning and my room was white and it was just a little spot of blue paint up in the corner. Oh. Now, how did you get back in? I, I don't know. <laughs> I just kind of ended up back in my body. Huh. I I didn't feel I didn't feel pressure. I didn't feel you know wasn't painful. It, it was. But there was no big suck back in event that you can remember where you were jolted awake or anything like that. I did I did come to wake. I I did sort of jolt awake. Okay. But it it wasn't a it wasn't dramatic. And you don't know what what made that happen. I think because I got really really close to the door. 
Hmm. And I, I was afraid of what was outside. And I think once I became afraid, that's when I sort of went back. And that was only, was that only a sense that there was something outside that was not good? Yeah, but it was like, it was like a density I hadn't felt before. Okay. And you equated that with something negative. It was negative. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if I were to bet my life on it, I think I did the right thing by not going out into the hallway. Okay. Yeah. Now, $10 million question. Have you ever been in waking state during daytime or evening hours or what have you and felt the same thing? That uh, dark energy? Yes. Uh, at a hotel I was at, yeah. And did you go through the door or walk into the room or did you just stay away from it? I couldn't go near it. I huh. had to have, it was when we were in England and it was in this, it was in the restroom of our hotel room. And I, whatever was in that hotel room was scarier to me than whatever I felt outside my room. I mean, it was the most densest, darkest. It was just a really, really bad energy. Huh. And I had to wake up my husband in the middle of the night. Say, can we go to the restroom together? Because <laughs> I, <just, laughs> I, I could not go into that, into that hmm. bathroom. But that could, you know, I mean, it could have been an energy. It could have been an electromagnetic energy or whatever. I mean, I'm I'm totally open to having everybody, you know, pick apart what's happened to me and say, oh, these are the reasons. You know, I'm open to it. I don't. Nobody's going to take anything away from me if they can prove that these things haven't been what I think they are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, like uh, David Roundtree said to us, you know, I this bathroom thing comes up over and over and over. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, you know, I had it at the condo. I've got it here at the house. You've had it. You had it in your bedroom with the mist going into your bathroom. I mean, mm-hmm. why the bathroom? The water. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's the thing. But I I, I understand what, what David was saying when you're talking about the pipes and you're talking about uh, the water running through the pipes. And that creates some kind of energy of, of some sort that... Uh, you know, I guess, I don't know, maybe it comes down to the, you know, I, got, I have a problem with my toilet being a portal to somewhere. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, at the same time, I think, well, if that's the case, you know, why not when I'm washing my car? Or uh, why not the kitchen? I mean, we've got a dishwasher that sucks up 50 billion gallons every time we wash the goddamn dishes. It's um, There's, there's, there's it, um, standing, standing water. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I don't know. I'm just kind of grasping. It's, it's really curious to me that, that the bathroom thing comes up over and over. And, and yes, I know the running water and the pipes and all of that. And that's, that's a possibility. I'll go with that. I don't know. It's just, you know, gut intuition uh, just says there's more to it than that to me. And I don't know what it could be. But Well, that's, you know, I mean, when you think about a bathroom in a home, that is when people are at their most vulnerable. And That's exactly it. Their yeah. most private tasks, mm-hmm. you know, and if something is yearning for humanhood or, you know, curious about us or whatever, um, that's right. probably where we would be observed. Right. So do you have any idea what it is about you, Lynn? No, I don't. What do you so do for a living, if I can ask? Um, I, I am an artist at heart, but I don't make a living at art. Okay. Ever take an IQ test? No. Would you take one if I could get you one? 
<laughs> no, 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 no. Oh my gosh, what if I came like really low? <laughs> Only really, really stupid people have these experiences. <laughs> no, no, it's kind of the opposite. Um, well, what's, what's your nationality? Irish. Right. <laughs> okay. There it is. I just want everybody to take note of that, you know, because I, I got, you know. My, my, my dad was uh, orphaned, so I don't, you know, I can't trace his roots back, but he was Irish. Mm. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I'd really wish that I could because I think that'd be really fun. But um, on my mom's side, I can we go back to England and and uh, France and the Isle of Wight and Devizes, which is in Wiltshire, uh-huh. which is where Avebury is, and also um, Stonehenge. And that's another thing that comes up a lot is the uh, Irish, Celtic, Germanic stuff always seems to to figure it out. I mean, I've been told that, well, that's just the circles you're traveling in. This is the people you're meeting and it doesn't mean anything. But, uh, you know, I, at least with this show, I get to talk to people all over the world and, and I'm finding the same thing. Yeah. And we do have listeners in Japan, you know, South America, uh, you know, all over the place. And, and it just comes up time after time is, is the, um, Irish, Celtic, Germanic, uh, Nordic, that sort of thing keeps coming up over and over and over. And I don't know what that's about. Have you ever experimented with psychedelics at all? Not intentionally. Uh-oh, uh, what does that mean? <laughs> well, um... Well, party time uh, in the drink without your knowledge? <laughs> well, I, I do believe, you know, there are occasions where people decide to lace certain things and... Uh-huh. Um, I was, I've only, I mean, I really don't like talking about drugs, to be perfectly honest, but I'll tell you this. I um, three times I tried marijuana. Wow. One time was with um, some people I wasn't really familiar with, uh, but we were in uh, Stanley Park in Vancouver. And I was pretty sure they put something else in it when I couldn't stop saying shaz- Shazam. And like laughing my head off, like okay. I couldn't stop saying Shazam. <laughs> so okay. I was going through. We were walking. It was very dark. Stanley Park is kind of a weird area at night, and uh, we were at a playground area. And I was telling everybody to watch out for the piano wire because I didn't want anybody to cut their head off, and you know all this really weird stuff. Huh. But then. I said, we only have about five minutes before they come. And they didn't know what I was talking about. And I said, There's, there, three of them are going to come and one's going to have a baseball bat. And they kind of ignored me. And then I got up because I sort of felt the time was near. And that is what happened. Three guys came. One had a baseball bat and they chased us. Huh. And... I, I, I was trying to like afterwards. I thought, you know, did I was this one of my dreams? Because it was about the same time that I was having these these dreams. Um, but I definitely knew what was going to happen before it happened, and I think I was more in tune with that because of whatever <laughs> whatever they decided to put in that. So weed saved your life. That's what you're saying. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, well, if I was, <laughs> yeah, if, if I had been smart, I wouldn't have been hanging out with those people, I guess. But, Do you remember yeah. um, if the feeling uh, that you had on the laced weed was similar to any feeling associated with this stuff, like maybe prior to or or going back into your body uh, with the astral projection thing? I have to think about that because I don't think I've ever really tried to compare it. I I don't know. I mean, I wish I I really wish I had thought about that before you asked because there might be a link. But I really I just felt uh, very like I kind of felt aware of several different realities at once when that was happening. But again, I didn't take it intentionally, so I wasn't kind of waiting for stuff to happen. I was just kind of like wow, I feel really psychic right now. That's what I remember thinking. Like I kind of knew, it was like I was a couple of seconds ahead of everybody else's actions. Like I was in a a different time stream or something, mentally. Did anybody ever tell you we put something in there? No, they totally denied it. Okay. Well, can I just make the notation that they might have been telling you the truth? Oh, you're going to take a lot of convincing. I, well, I, I'll put it to you this way. Um, I would say, I mean, just just in the short period we've been talking here, and Jeremy and I have talked about this before, and I think that your your perceptions of these experiences throughout your life, I mean, obviously says something about, you can call it brain chemistry if you want. You can call it, you know, in tune with different parts of the soul. You can call it whatever you want. But I think there's something... Uh, different about the way that certain people perceive reality or the world. And if you're one of those people with that unique thought process or whatever you want to call it again, and you intoxicate yourself with something, Mm -hmm. then most often you'll get a completely different reaction. Uh, I mean, it would stand to reason to me that you would get a completely different reaction of some of these substances than than normal people would. Yeah, I would explain why I never really was drawn to them. Like, I never, I I don't really enjoy that, and I guess, you know, I can sort of cop to saying peer pressure played a role. Do you, do you dislike the idea of being out of control? Does that, is yeah. it, I mean, you, not, I don't want to say control freak, because not everybody's like that, but... Um, I'm, I can't say I'm a control freak, because then my house would be nice and clean, and my dishes would be <laughs> right. Right, but I mean, the sense of being, yeah, the sense of being disconnected or vulnerable or that sort of thing, does that, is that what keeps you away from, um, you know, I I take it, I could could probably surmise that you didn't particularly care for the feeling of intoxication on much of anything, is that right? That's very true, yeah. So, yeah, um, but we're in the same boat there. Yeah. I don't know, I mean, to me, that's like another thing, it was, it was, uh. Yeah, you know, I've described my mushroom experience to half a dozen people now, probably, and uh, and, and everybody says, "Wow, that's really that's really unique." Uh, but it is what it is, uh, and and certainly, you know, I've known people, I've talked to people recently who've taken far in excess of what I did, yeah, and got a completely what I would what I would say wasn't even close to the level of bizarreness or visual aspects that I actually got. How long did it last? 
well, Jeremy's a different story. Um, mine was probably, I would say, three, three and a half, four hours, maybe. Ugh. Something like that. And Jeremy, yours lasted until the next day? Mine was like nine hours. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy ate a bushel basket. Oh, okay. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, wasn't was, so, was it like something, eight, eight hours, eight and a half hours? I think that's what you had said. I mean, yeah. Um, it's pretty ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I was just, I just remember saying, okay, I'm, I'm done now, you know, I'm done. And it was like, no, you're not, you know. That's the worst is just sort of thinking, okay, I, I, I got it. I, I'd like to be released from this now. And then it's like, well, sorry. <laughs> yeah. You're, yeah. You're here for another but, but I mean, well, the thing is with me, I mean, you tell me how you, how you feel about this, because I, I'm, this is something I've been curious about uh, with people like us who don't like that loss of control aspect of it. There was a study at Johns Hopkins being done, and I was, you know, I put my name in for it. It was a psilocybin experiment. And um, the one thing that they had put down in this paper that a friend gave to me uh, describing, you know, the procedures, uh, you know, what what they were researching and this sort of thing, um, and what they were looking for as far as candidates go. One of the things that I, I mean, at first I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I could do that. But then again, it is in a hospital, so I would feel somewhat better about that. Yeah. But here's the part that really made me feel good about it. They have escape drugs. And I thought, huh, so I can get out of it whenever I want. <laughs> wow. And I thought, really? Now that I think I'd be a lot more comfortable with. Not only is it in a hospital where, you know, allergic reaction you know, God forbid, but if something like that would happen, you'd be right there with the best medical attention you could ever want. And then if you started to freak or you said, I can't take this anymore, you could get out of it. Or at least they'd knock you out. You wouldn't be aware of it. I don't exactly know what escape drug means, or but all I know is it said there are escape drugs. Wow. Um, so what, does something like that have more appeal to you like, oh, I would like to see that as opposed to taking it in the dark in a woodshed like an idiot like me. Well, if I, if I were told that I only had two choices, I'd definitely do the, the second, the, the hospital with the escape drug. Right. Um, but ultimately, I, I would... You'd bypass the whole thing. Yeah, definitely mm. prefer not to. Mm. I think, I, I don't know, for me, it's, it's like I just... I, I guess I worry about how these things do affect long term. That's that's what I worry about. Yeah. The one thing I got to ask you, and, and I know this is going to be kind of a hard thing to to answer. Um, have you ever become so incredibly debilitated by this that you actively try to seek it out? You're right. That is a hard question. Because I take it at some point, um, and I think everybody that has to do with this stuff at some point or another has found themselves going, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? I can't even take the garbage out. I mean, yeah. and that's where, that, was my, that was my rock bottom was, you know, Jeff, can you take the garbage down to the dumpster? No, I'm not going out there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was so actually relieved when you, when you described that because – I really felt alone in the world 
um, mm. with that feeling because I can't, I, I can't, I don't, I don't know where the origination point, you know, where in my childhood or whatever was I programmed to be afraid that, you know, I, I live in a suburban area. My neighbors would see whatever happened to me, right? but I'm still nervous about it. Um, uh, in terms of seeking it out, I guess this is a personal philosophy. I, I don't think it's like a pony you can break. I think uh. it has to be wild. I think, um, but when I when I have been overtaken with fear, I have tried to challenge it, and I, you know, I've been like, okay, you know, let's go, right? <laughs> Do this, you know, show me your best. I'm ready, you know. Um, because I can't live like this. And can I guess that nothing ever came of that? No, it's like, uh, we're not interested now. <laughs> You're right, exactly. You're boring. Yeah, yeah. You know. We'll wait till you're getting out of the shower. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think the, the debilitating factor about it is something that, um, you know, that a lot of people don't, I don't know that they necessarily identify with it because I think for a lot of people it's, I got it. I just don't think for a lot of people it's so pervasive. I'm sure. I'm sure for a good percentage it is, but I, I don't know how many people can actually say this became a complete. Like this is all I thought about. Um, well, it does. It. I mean, look, it's a fascinating experience. Whatever. Oh yeah. Uh, what's that? I said, yeah, absolutely, oh, it is. Yeah. I mean, at, at one point, it became the the only thing I thought was worth discussing. It's like I would try and seek out people. Like I still do. I mean, I still, we were at a a cemetery recently and I ended up talking to the funeral director and he shared an experience with me that he had had that was quite personal. And um, I was like, you know, this stuff is everywhere. How do people integrate it into their lives without losing their mind? I mean, yeah. we're trying to carry on with our lives, pay our bills, um, you know, just have a nice normal life. And yet, you know, there have been times where I have, and I'm sure you and Jeremy have lived in states of anxiety that just didn't make any sense to the rest of the world, you know, unless right. you've sort of experienced it. And it's really, really hard to talk yourself out of that and to just focus on normal things because there's something very intoxicating about the topic as well. Oh yeah. It definitely exercises a part of the mind that doesn't normally get exercised. And once you sort of start flexing it, you just want more. I don't know if you want more or whether you you just get more by flexing. <laughs> well, yeah, and I—I I mean, I—I no, I think you do want more sometimes. I mean, I think you you get attracted to mystery. Oh yeah, um, it, it gives yeah. you that spiritual butterflies feeling in your stomach a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I want to go back to just one little thing, uh, which is that um, I think when you call out to it and you say, "I want," you know, let, let's have the showdown. At high noon, um, I don't necessarily think that it just goes, eh, I'm bored with this, or, you know, I'm going to wait till you turn around and go boogada boogada boo. I think the answer is you don't know what you're asking for. It's weirder than that. 
Huh. You know, I mean, because then you have another experience, maybe in answer to that or just later in life, that is so outrageous or so uh, more powerful than what you've experienced before that you think, well, gee, you know, is this a bottomless pit of 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 odd mind stuff that that you're never going to, you know, be able to understand? Uh, and maybe the answer is, uh, yeah, you, you know, getting back to my own sort of spiritual nonsense of, uh, yeah, you're not going to be able to understand it with this mind. You're not going to be able to understand it with thought fully. Yeah. And you're asking with thought, come, come to me and, and, and we'll have this showdown on my terms, but your terms aren't the thing that's, you know, your terms are so small <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that that's not possible. And you don't know it's not possible because you think your terms are uh, appropriate. And I, I think well, that that's a problem. Well, I look at it from the aspect that you're also setting a stage, which means some sort of you're calling it. You're saying, "Here I am. Let's go." You know, yeah, you're, it's definitely your terms and your call and all of that. But it's, you're also setting a preconceived stage, which this thing clearly doesn't operate on. Well, uh, I don't. I don't think that it's um, wrong to do that because, in terms of the body I'm in now with you know with the mind I'm in now and the reaction to reality that I have now I think that's a pretty sane thing to do uh-huh. because when you're faced with odd occurrences and it's starting to overtake your life you really do have to you, you know it's natural to try and want to try and take some control and I agree with you that Jeremy that you don't know what you're asking for it's just it's vast well, no, I, I think it is natural to want to take control. I think it is appropriate. It's an appropriate response to say, yeah. because who even thinks beyond who who thinks about what I just said? Essentially, like I, I think it takes a real step back to go. Wait a minute, the mind that is applying itself to this this thing, which seems yeah. to be antagonizing me in some way. Well, if it's antagonizing me, then I must be able to do something back on equal terms or whatever, you know, you think that your, your frame of reference and and the way you are right now is it Mm -hmm. uh, because that's what it's in contact with. So how would you, how would it even occur to you that that's not it? You know, that, that there's more to you than that. Yeah. And I mean, if you're trying to, to squelch your fear, that's the last thing you want to think about. But even just going to the drug trip, I mean, forget about any of the other stuff. If you go just back to the drug trip and you know, how, I mean, that exposes you to the fact that you can see things that aren't there. You can hear things that aren't there. You can perceive yourself as several different entities. You can, your personal consciousness will recede into the background while, you know, Terrence McKenna starts narrating or, you know, whatever it is. (laughs) I mean, to have all of that happen in your brain, which doesn't normally happen in your brain, should tell you that, uh, that there's a lot more to what's going on in your brain and what your brain can do than, than your normal consciousness uh, permits. And so if there's something that is um, not of your normal consciousness that is um, interacting with you in some way, for better or worse or whatever, who's to say, that that we're only perceiving you know, this little sliver of it, yeah. and this little sliver of it is going, well, I'm the whole thing. I'm not just a sliver of it. Right. <laughs> and so let's have this showdown, you and me, pal. <laughs> and meanwhile, I mean, for all we know, the phenomenon is going – no, you don't get it, dork. I'm not even talking to you. You're just getting some resi- residual effect of what I'm really talking to, which is this other piece of your mind. I mean, right. for all we know, that's what's going on. 
And oh. so we're we're so the dog chasing its own tail. We don't even know. We, we don't even know that we're chasing our, you know, we don't even know. We think it's interacting with us because it seems that way. But what if it's not? What if it's a residual of something else that's going on and we just don't understand that? And I'm not well, saying I'm, that's the case. I'm just saying there are so many options. Well, I'm comfortable oh, with yeah. that, actually. <laughs> I'm totally comfortable with that. It, it, in fact, I've been able to get there by listening to Paratopia. You know, I mean, I really have because I was taking it rather personally um, and now I don't. I, I just, you know, maybe I'm just tuned a little differently, but that doesn't mean that it has anything to do with me, mm. you know, and that takes a lot of pressure off. It, it kind of, and if I can, you know, I'm, I don't mean to have weak analogies, but, you know, I stand outside and the wind blows. Am I supposed to be freaked out? Oh my God, it's the, it's the wind, you know, right. I mean, it, the wind blew. And, you know, just kind of go with it. That's, that's where I'm at. And it's, it's a lot better and I'm a lot more comfortable there. Mm-hmm. Well, Until something weird happens and then I'll have to readjust. <laughs> well, that, that's the other thing is like even, <laughs> again, I, I feel like thought is the barrier here because even having said all of that, the second that I rest in that yeah. is, is the moment that something jostles me and goes, I know. no, you don't get it, dude. <laughs> That's part of you still being asleep. You right. know, you keep you keep trying to lull yourself to sleep with an answer about this. Well, how what okay, wait, 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 wait now. What is it to be awake? I mean, what would that look like? Well, right. <laughs> I mean, Take some mushrooms and get back to us. <laughs> <laughs> what well, would it look like? Well, I mean, I go back to my my I am experience. I mean, what would it be like if uh I were a person living on that stage and not just visiting it as a state, what would it be like to actually have non-local mind to be aware of me and my body as well as everything else, all points of view at once, you know, what is that possible? It's certainly possible to have the experience of it. Why is it not possible to live there? Uh, but I, you know, I can't imagine what that looks like. I can't imagine what a society of people like that looks like. Do you have to turn it off? Uh, or do these sorts of questions not even are they irrelevant because they just are? Do you think, do you think that that I, I just don't think we can sustain that on this plane? I think we're. Capable. I don't see why not. I don't see why don't? not. I mean, uh, certainly, I had uh, during that experience, I had the awareness of being in my body and thinking I was dying. So there's still a me sense, like once non-locality happens, then all localities are the case at once, right? So one of those localities is you again, your so, ego but, self. And so why can't, I mean, I, I just, uh, I'm not saying it can, but I, I don't see any reason for it not to be. I don't, I don't buy any of this stuff about, we don't know, you know, there are limitations to the human mind or the human brain. Okay. Okay. I see where you're going. Eh. No, I, I think we're capable of it. I really do. I think, but I mean, who's going to hire you? I think. <laughs> well, no, yeah, no. I'm, what happens when you got I'm, I'm talking about on a big, on a grand level, not just the individual, but a right. society. You know, I so mean, what, my, my point is, if if your little pea brain can do that, then mm-hmm. then can experience the all, the nothingness, and the all. If your little brain can experience all of those points of view, um, or if you can leave your body and go zipping around the room at the speed of thought, mm-hmm. then. Why, you know, isn't it crazy of you and me to think that we can come back uh, 
forget that that happened, have some sort of amnesia about that to the extent that we look at this phenomenon and go, all right, I want to challenge you on these limited terms that even I know are bullshit because I've experienced greater. Yeah, but I mean... I mean, we have no choice. I, I know what you're saying. We have no choice, and it's an appropriate response. But yeah. but it's it's still wrong. It's still not. It's still not uh, going to help. Let's put it that way. Well, it's not going to get us any closer right. to the answer if we keep on, you know, going into going back into our shell. You know, every time we have an experience, it really. I mean, I've always been kind of stuck on how can I sustain it. Like when when I um, explain that one experience. Uh, where I was kind of transported to another area in the last episode and I met a being, uh, that was pretty incredible. Nothing that I've ever, I've never experienced anything else like it. I've never been at that emotional altitude before. I've never been that happy before. I've never felt that loved before. I've never been that unafraid before. But I have a really hard time even sustaining that feeling for more than a blip of a second. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're baby stepping our way into this, aren't we? I mean, right. That's, that's, that's the fun and that's the problem, (laughs) but wouldn't it be interesting if we're actually making this more complicated than it needs to be? And it's just simply something going boo (laughs) for its own entertainment. Well, I think we are still trying to understand our abilities. Um, I think we are capable of so much more, than we're aware of. And I think that if we learned that and trusted that, then maybe we would sort of get to a new level. But I don't know what what, it, what it's going to take to get there. Because as you say, even when something really fantastic happens, we still sort of have to go back to the daily grind. Huh. I mean, tell me how you feel about this, Lynn. When I say... About all, I mean, about all of this stuff. It, uh, I mean, I've grown to hate the UFO field. I, I, I thought for a while I was going to, uh, you know, get to, you know, ghosts and all that kind of stuff. And I would look at that and I would kind of take myself away from this part of it. Um, but this all comes down to me to just say, for the time being at least, we don't know where the hell we're, we are. I mean, mm. we we know we got to get up and go to work, and we got to eat breakfast. We got to, you know, do the three S's in the morning and and all of that, and, and and go to the job and make the money to pay the bills, to pay the taxes, blah blah blah. And there feels like more and more there feels like there's something inherently wrong with that issue, and that there's supposed to be more to this than, and I felt this way for years that there's supposed to be more to this than what we're doing. And that when it comes right down to it, uh, you know, skeptics be damned. All I, I could give a damn what a lot of people say about it, but the, the bottom line is there's a hell of a lot of people, uh, both in shared experiences and in singular experiences, that are seeing things and experiencing things that just can't be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just says to me that there is way more to reality. There's way more to life. Uh, than we've been led to believe by anything that includes religion or gurus of any kind or what have you. And, and that it, when it all comes down to it, we only can measure and gauge and study 
what we're perceiving with these feeble senses that we have. I think a, a really good gauge is how it affects people. Oh, yeah. I think that, you know, if, if we're trying to find some sort of way of, of measuring how it affects the world or the impact it has on the world, mm-hmm. I think the best thing to do is to talk to people that have had the experiences, not talk to experts that, I mean, you do, I think that's important too, but an expert that's theorizing about the experience has a different perspective, which is right. a, a valuable perspective. Um, but also finding the people and how it's affected them. Has it improved their life? Has it caused strife? Has it brought them to new conclusions? I know a really good group of people to talk to are inventors. Inventors get things in their dreams. They, you know, it's like this, this wellspring of new ideas. And I know that, that, uh, you know, they're, they're drawn to trying to, to bend reality a bit to, to give birth to new ideas. And that's a really interesting area. Um, yeah. Yeah. But really, well, to see, the, to see the impact on the person's life, you know, and overcoming the fear, maybe that that's one of the, the goals. I, I yeah. Know. Yeah. Well, I mean, this thing being elusive as it is, you know, there's not a whole lot of things you can devote a serious amount of time to studying except that. So that's, I think you're right there. But Lynn, guess what? We're, uh, we're out of time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thank you very much for coming on the show this week. And, thank you. And, 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 and uh, chewing the fat with, with us for a while about all this stuff. And uh, I think you're a fascinating, very strong woman. So. Well, I think you guys are, are just awesome. Um, and you can edit out the word awesome. Um, but but I'm not going to. We're, we're leaving that in. <laughs> you're, you're fantastic. And I, I think that you're taking a really incredible approach to things. And um, I'm honored to be speaking with you. And I'll continue listening. Oh, pleasure is ours, believe me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Paratopia. Guess what? This episode was a little long. A little? Well, okay, a lot long. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to do some kind of Mondo after chat, and you're going to find that in the bonus content area if you'd like to go download it. We figured we'd keep the show by itself due to its length. So hop on over to the bonus content area and download our extensive after chat right there. Yes, it is a feature length. (laughs) It is. And hopefully just as interesting. So uh, thank you again, Lynn, for doing the show. And we'll see you in the bonus section of the subscriber area. Come on, let's go.